0: What they're saying is, are you worth my time or are you a waste of my time? If they get even an inkling that you're worth their time, that having a conversation with you in the future will be valuable, they'll take the meeting. So your focus needs to be, how do I convince people that I'm worth their time? And when you tell that to almost every salesperson, they immediately make a switch in their approach because they know what to do to tell people I'm worth your time.
1: All right, welcome to the Sales Prescription Podcast with Ron Halbert and Rusty Jensen. You know, there's all kinds of problems that can prevent you from being successful personally and professionally. And we're here to write you some highly effective and broad spectrum sales prescriptions. And all you have to do is fill them. You know, today we're gonna be talking about prospecting and some of the techniques around it. We've got a special guest today who is Matt Lampros. And Matt is the CEO of Sellamental. And he's the author of four books. Three of them are on sales and pipeline development. And what what is the fourth book?
0: <laughs> the fourth one is on losing weight. Losing weight. Yeah, I, it, it, it's it, one I need to read. Yeah. <laughs> I need. I'm getting that book. It's I'm ordering Indian. on Amazon right after this. Yeah, so right. It's a huge industry that people spend a ton of money on and get no results. Yeah, I'm getting pretty tired of that. So I wrote a book about it.
2: That's awesome. And Does it and include and drinking twelve monsters a day?
1: <laughs> these are calorie Those are sugar free. Those are yeah, sugar free. Yeah, so. no big okay. deal. Yeah, so on so, track. So if you, you wrote a book on losing weight, we need you to, we need you to try one of these candies. Yeah. yeah
0: we need, these so are, yeah. So, no so
1: where this is the big trick. It's like, is this going to be an M M&M and M or is this going to be a Skittle? Gotcha. So, so
0: I can tell you right away because when in chemistry in high school, they taught us that a, the plain M M&M and M is one cubic centimeter. So when you wanted to know what one CC was, it was a plain M M&M and M and that's thicker. So that's a Skittle.
1: Ah, mm. he's got the Skittle. You know what that means? That's, I don't know what that means. <laughs>
0: the lucky day. I'm glad there wasn't a trick. It's a that. lucky
1: day you know, <laughs> as opposed to a good
0: day. Thank you for the
1: candy. <clears throat> well, and, and so to kind of do like a, a proper introduction of, of Matt, CEO of Sellamental, fantastic company. Um, it's a top tier sales development and pipeline generation coaching organization and not consulting. You know, and it's interesting, Matt, as we've worked with a lot of different companies, lots of different consultants, lots of different organizations around how to develop pipeline. You know, there's all those organizations out there and consulting groups. My experience, you work with them, they build a framework, they hand it over and they say, here is what to do. And then they kind of walk away, collect check. But but you're you're not doing anything like that. I mean, you're coaching people. It was interesting. It's almost like having a a senior leader out on the floor sitting with people and actually not only executing the strategy, but actually making sure it's followed through. You're working with people on the floor, which was something different than I've seen and very effective in in our experience. Tell us about that. Why are you taking that kind of approach versus just here's a book, here's a method go.
0: Well, uh, there's several reasons for my customer, for the end user. So my customer is usually somebody in sales management, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, My end user is the person, you know, the salesperson trying to get leads. So for my end user, for the end customer, you have to teach that way. I, I talk about it like riding a bike. You can do a PowerPoint about how to ride a bike. Great. Right. <laughs> you want to learn how to ride a bike. You got to stand behind the person, hold their seat and run alongside with them. Right. And then they'll have the confidence to do it. Everyone's taught a kid to ride a bike that way. You just can't learn to ride a bike on PowerPoint. And I think that a lot of uh, you know gen- sales pipeline generation is the same. And everyone's a little bit different. And people don't learn the same. People have their own personality, own sales style. And so, when you're sitting there coaching them on the phone with them while they're calling and giving them feedback, you're coaching within the parameters that make them comfortable with their own style that's going to be successful for them, which may not be successful for the person next to them. But then, from a business perspective, I learned pretty early that a one call close is the best, most inexpensive thing I can do as a company. No marketing, right? Mm-hmm. Fast close, quick sales cycle. And that comes from word of mouth or from repeat buys. And if you make your customers really happy, then they buy from you again, or they tell other people about you. You have a one call close. So it, it lowers my marketing budget a ton to spend the time to make sure people learn the system, use the system, and people go, wow, that worked. They tell other people. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. You know, I uh, I had the benefit, Rusty, of hiring Matt um, in a, at a former company. Had about 80 so SDRs. And I loved the first thing he did was put on a headset. He walked out to the floor and put on a headset. And, and I want to say you know, something that this taught me about leadership that I tell my leaders today. A lot of leaders go to a rep and they say, how can I help you? What can I do for you? They don't know. They don't know how you can help them. <laughs> you know, if, right. you're, if you think that you can just ask somebody, hey, how can I help you? And they're going to come back and say, well, I need you to teach me the philosophies of, of yeah. dialing and how to tactical <laughs> dial into these large, you know, they don't know what questions to ask because especially in sales development, business development, these guys are brand new in the career. Yeah, They don't know the questions to ask. Right. So leaders actually have to be able to diagnose what the actual problem is. So I hire Matt as a consultant, I shouldn't say consultant, a coach. Coach. We talked to him before this and he's like, I don't like consultant. I'm a coach. And I love that. I love that philosophy. Yes, it's awesome. And he puts on a headset. And this is during the same time as a couple of years ago when I started to see this movement on LinkedIn. Dialing is dead. <laughs> now, I know dialing isn't dead because I run sales development organizations and we develop millions of dollars of pipeline Through dialing, there's
1: just a lot of of people are hoping that dialing is dead. They are hoping that. They're hoping that. That's exactly what they're hoping for, Uh, right?
2: But the reality is, it's not dead. And hiring someone like Matt, with with as much experience and skill, and you can read his books; they're fantastic. You can see dialing isn't dead. Absolutely, it it won't die anytime soon because we want human interaction. We want to connect with people,
1: and that's tough to do over email. Connecting connecting with people requires actual conversation. I mean, most of the time people misread what people say in emails, right? You know, you Mm -hmm. put it in capital letters Mm -hmm. and you're screaming at people, right? I mean, the message doesn't come through. It doesn't come through. Matt, tell us a little bit about that. Why are calls, why is dialing, why is this human communication so important in in your methodology?
0: Yeah. so the more aggressive part of me wants to point out that almost everyone that says dialing is dead is selling a book. (laughs) The only people really making money on LinkedIn that I've ever met make money teaching people how to use LinkedIn. Right. They're not actually yeah. making money themselves for their company. I will point out a funny thing. I do have several, you know, I'll have clients and they say, well, we've got somebody on our staff that's really, really good at LinkedIn. But it's usually one or two people. Mm-hmm. And there are people that are good at it. They happen to be the best looking people you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> so if you go look at their LinkedIn profile, they have this amazing picture. And so when they want to connect with people, they're like, yeah, I'll connect with you. Sure, yes. <laughs> I think it has a lot to do with that. But I don't think dialing is dead. And, and you're asking about the human connection. I, I think that's that's a huge facet of it. But it, the number one tool everyone uses for business is the phone. Whether we're looking for a connection or not, we've got, you know, a hundred years of experience picking that thing up. Yeah. It, it, when, when your mom says, call me, she doesn't say email me. She says, call me. Right. Right. And she's not going to be satisfied with a text or an email. She wants to have a connection. But what's dead, I think. Is that form of human connection that feels forced, that feels the same, that feels like a website that's branded? What's not dead at all is human beings, Mm. right? People really, really like touch points. Now, Ron, uh, he gave a really good example at one point in our relationship. He talked about the people at Walmart to wear the blue vests. Mm -hmm. They're just normal people, but they put on a blue vest and all of a sudden people treat them rude. And yeah. people think of them as as a problem. They never see the person behind
1: it. Yeah, they, they look at them as, a, as an entity, as Ron yep. would say.
0: Yeah. So you take that blue vest off, and they're a human being just like you. It's a weird human thing, and he's absolutely right about that. But email, LinkedIn, and ineffective cold calling strategies are the Walmart blue vest. So that's what's dead, is this idea that that people come in with this approach of wearing a blue vest, whatever tool you're using. What's not dead is taking the vest off and acting like a human being and, and connecting with people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when you're looking at prospecting, because we're working with a lot of people that we want to help them become great at this, because yeah. I think as a fundamental skill in sales, you know, before we get to some more of the, the complex topics, you've got to be great at building pipeline, right? It's just a fundamental thing. What would you say are the three things, you know, we always like to be of things in groups of threes. What would be the three things you would say are the things you've got to master from a prospecting standpoint to be able to develop pipeline?
0: Well, the answers are whatever the three things are that, that aren't working for you, okay? <laughs> right? But in, in mass, that's generally number one, you have to qualify as a part of this call. I, I, when I'm going to set up a meeting with somebody, I need to know that they're the right person and they they're in some form qualified. And that's a huge problem because you cannot qualify on a cold call. You can't ask someone 10 questions. I'm interrupting you, you weren't expecting my call, you know I'm trying to sell you, you're busy, you're in the middle of something important and you want me to answer all these questions, it doesn't work. So Mm -hmm. the first thing you have to do is find other ways to get really close to the answer that this is someone I want. And I think you can do that by building an effective list using strategies to have a list of people that are highly, highly likely to be qualified, right? So that's the first thing.
1: Which is is an incredible mind shift. Yeah. I right. qualify them before you try to contact them versus while they're on the call.
0: Well, it's an adver- advertising strategy. I mean, av- billboards go in certain places. Advertising goes in certain TV shows and magazines that they know that their target customer is highly likely to be reading or watching. And you just do the same thing as a salesperson who, who are the list of the people that I probably really want to work with. And you'll have a pretty high qualified rate from that versus just loosey goosey calling you know, a a poorly designed, poorly put together list. Now, I want to call this out as well, though.
2: I feel like sometimes my reps are telling me I'm spending seven hours a day building lists. Mm. (laughs) Right. And I call it an analysis paralysis. Yep. You know, they're spending so much time making sure the list is perfect. Yeah. That they never actually pick up the phone and put it to their ear.
0: Right.
2: (laughs) And so I think like you do need to make sure the list is qualified. If you're selling software that provides an awesome tool for CFOs or for accountants, probably don't call the janitor. Right. But anybody with a title that's in the financial realm, let's start there. Let's start with those and have some conversations. And what I've learned is the dialing also helps you perfect the list right? Sure. Because one thing that Matt would teach the reps is like, hey, I don't have anything to do with that. What's the first thing you do? Who does? You ask them. Now you have the perfect list. You know exactly who you should be talking to. And it took me a lot less time to ask the question who does than to spend an hour on Google, an hour on LinkedIn, an hour in Zoom info, an hour in all these different tools, right?
0: So I would even step back from that a little bit. First of all, I would say Every hour you spend on perfecting your list is much more effective than hours asking these questions to individuals on the phone, trying to qualify them. At some point, you do have to ask certain questions, but on that cold call, you're just going to get a lot of no's. I call those false negatives. People that should have said yes probably would have bought from you, but you blew the cold call, and they're saying no. And it's not because they don't need you. It's because you're bothering them. They're busy. And so they're just like, no, 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 go away, right? Right. You, 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 everybody knew with their parents when to ask for money or when to ask for, <laughs> if yeah. your dad's under the car changing the oil, you probably it's probably not the best time to, and you're hearing him swearing and <laughs> it's probably not the best time, right? And it, that we're calling people during that. So right. what I'm doing more of a template. So for example, I have a fair size of my business are heating and air conditioning contractors that sell maintenance agreements on these huge buildings. It's a wonderfully lucrative, incredible industry. I never knew anything about, but I have a lot of customers there And we found that you looked at the square footage of the building, if it's 20,000 square feet or more, really, really good sign. If they own the building, great. If they rent it, you can't sell to them because they're not the one that... The other thing that we looked at is credit rating. If somebody has a high credit rating, almost across any industry, that's a really good cut on a list, which you can get really quick credit rating because they are, the company tends to buy faster. They tend to buy more. They tend to, the people seem more positive. It's a really weird thing you notice on the phone you, you have a phone call and you go back and check the credit rating of the company. And you go, oh, people there, they, they, you know, there's stress and pressure out of that company because they have a low credit rating and things aren't going well. So, I mean, just simple things like that will really clean your list up. And, and you don't have to do, I don't like to go to Google and research individual companies. I like to clean up my list and, you know, cut by things like that. Awesome.
2: Find so. that happy medium there. Yeah. You're not spending all day doing it, but you, you do want to call the right people.
0: hundred percent agree. Yeah. Title's a huge piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So when it comes to actually making those calls, how do you get them to pick up the phone? How do you get people to, to connect with you? End users to pick up the phone or your reps? The end users. <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> that's another problem. Too. Well, I, I don't know. Yeah, that, that, that is a problem. End users. So let's yeah. assume we can get our employees to make calls. Okay. Or so that, Or that we as, as salespeople have the energy and, and motivation to do.
0: Yeah. So I should start by saying I coach, which means I get on the phone with the reps and I listen to them call for an hour, and like a like a driving at a driving range, a golf pro. Okay, your your wrist is wrong. You're bending your knees. Whatever, turn your body. I'll do that between calls. But I keep detailed notes on each call that I'm on, and I use a little shorthand like they do in baseball. You can look at a you ever look at a scorecard for baseball. It's just really crazy shorthand. Well, I created shorthand for my calls so I can look at just a, a bunch of things that will look like craziness to you. And know, I'll tell exactly how that whole hour went right? So I do that so that I can come back and coach, but I keep that all in a database. And now it's been 16 years of me doing this, right? And I'm on the phone all the time with people all over our country, Canada, United Kingdom, listening to these calls. And I started to see very, very clear delineations in approach versus results. So I started to figure out after, you know, five years, these things work, these things don't. And then the next 10 years, were saying yeah is i'm right those things absolutely have an effect one of those is going through the front desk if you call someone direct dialing is dead you will get a 300 or more percent improvement in getting a pickup rate if you go through the front desk because the front desk will walk you back to that person you'll you'll hear them do crazy things hmm. you'll hear them say just a minute hey joe or you know uh, he's over here's his number at this location call him there they'll do crazy things to help you get to that person because you have to think of the front desk not as a gatekeeper i think that's a bad word that means they're trying to stop you as reception hotels have reception if you go to a hotel and ask you know you're the customer and you ask them hey i'd like three microwaves in my room so i always say just as a joke they always like
1: oh okay well, they'll do anything they can to help you. Because this is, this is contrary to what I would say is conventional wisdom, which is people are saying, let's get the direct dial so I can get right in. They won't
0: pick up. They, they won't pick up. up which uh, is 300 and some percent improvement in pickups by calling through front desk. The trick is you have to know how to get through the front desk. And the reason it's so, it's so effective to go to the front desk is because almost no salesperson knows how to go through the front desk because almost every salesperson sounds exactly the same. And they'll stop you if you're in sales. Because, they will not let you through.
1: Because that's interesting. There's reception, right? Receptionists have a dual purpose. Yeah. One is receiving people into the company and helping them get to where they need to go. Exactly. Get and you the three microwaves. Is, the other is keep salespeople get out
0: loved. of our lobby. I'm trying to check people in. Yeah. yeah if you're I mean, a salesperson, you go to a hotel and say, I want to talk to the GM and I have this great. They're like, get out of our hotel. We don't have time for this. Right. Same exact person will give me three microwaves. Right.
1: Right. Yeah, so, yeah that's right.
0: And that's how front desks are. They're lovely people wonderful people. How, they are smiling at everyone. They come in and out. How are you? Everybody knows them. They know about their kids, right? But if you approach them as a salesperson, they're not letting you through. If you approach them as somebody they think is a customer, a vendor, a partner, a supplier,
1: they will do anything they can to help you. So not to kind of maybe put you on the spot, but you've, you've been coaching a lot of different salespeople on this. Can you give us a just an example yeah. of a rep you were working with where you were able to really get them from just getting shut down by the front desks and then actually starting to have a lot of success. Do you have any examples? Of oh yeah, I mean, that's
0: that's the first step. So once we get, I walk people through the steps. And so the first step is getting your list right. And a lot of companies do that for you. So I was like, And then the next step is picking up the phone and getting the front desk and, and talking to them in a way that you don't sound like, you sound like yourself. You don't have the blue vest on, right? And so um, everyone that I've worked with gets through that. And so we actually call it a video game. And the way you win the video game is you'd never hear who's calling. Are they expecting your call? What's this in regards to? What are you selling? We don't accept solicitations. So when you stop hearing that, it's a wild thing for salespeople because they're so used to hearing that. They can't believe that they didn't hear that. And instead, you hear just a minute. Oh, yeah, he was he's here. Let me call him. I'll page him. Yeah, just a second. No, we'll call back at three because he's in with Tom. And I'll, you know, I'll, tell him you're, I'll tell him to look for your call. You hear all this crazy helpful stuff. So everyone I've ever worked with, that's our first step. You can't, I'm not going to teach anything else until I teach you how to get the person to pick up the phone. And right. you can do that through going through the front desk. And and the way you know is you quit hearing those phrases. That, it's a wild that they will treat you so differently. It's
1: wild. It, it, yeah, it's amazing because you you think that's what's going to happen. You have this expectation. I'm going to get shut down. So I just need to just keep going. I'm going to be I their just,
0: friend. How, good yeah. morning. Hi, Darla. How are you today? Ha ha, ha The weather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I wonder if you could help me out. I'm saying, right? The Every salesperson says something like available or in. Those two phrases, those two words are the worst two words you can use at the front desk. If you say the word available, just free coaching here, you say the word available at the front desk, you will not get through. Get rid of that word. Yeah. And and it's because front desks are so used to salespeople and they all say the same dang thing, so-and-so available, that they... But you, you listen to people, normal people call the front desk. They never ask if someone's available ever. Mm. So you stop doing that. And so it's just these tiny little tweaks like that that are going to get you the front desk. Interesting. That's awesome. Pickups. People pick up the phone. So, so we, one thing that I usually recommend,
2: and I don't even know, you know, maybe you can tell me whether or not this is something that you agree with is everybody has a cadence or a sequence that they follow. That's telling me it's it's a way to stay organized, right? So there's mm-hmm. tools out there that can help you know when you should call someone, when you should email them, so forth and so on. And you want to build out that cadence. So one thing that I always recommend from, for people is inside of your cadence, have steps where you call the front desk, have steps where you call direct and make sure that you're trying to approach them from different angles because voicemails we know are also a positive thing to get email responses. So we've uh, worked with like some other consultants like won't mention names until we can work with them a little bit more but like they've told us that we get a 353% higher email response rate when it's coupled with a voicemail. Yeah. Is that lot. something you recommend as well like mixing up who to reach out to and making sure
0: you're approaching different angles or are you saying you throw out the direct dial number altogether? I will never direct dial anyone okay? because it's, it's a waste of my time. But the, the other part of this too is when you call. So there are what we call golden hours. There's days and times in that database I've watched. I used to watch and say, this person is doing exactly everything I tell them to do. They sound perfect. I don't understand why we're not getting people to pick up or they pick up and they're rude. And then I noticed that it was always at certain times that you got a rude person or no pickups. So if you call the right time and go through the front desk, you don't need to approach them in any other way. I happen to love the uh, voicemail email combo. That's the one way I'll use e- email or LinkedIn is to, is to say, I just left you a voicemail and then basically type out the voicemail. But um, I call it the one, two punch. It's effective, but um, you don't really need it. If you're calling at the right time through the front desk, you'll get all the pickups you could never want. So I I personally don't like the direct dial because it's just to me. So I was saying golden hours, switch topics there for a second. Wednesday happens to be for most people, for most industries and most geographies, a really bad day to call. It's the middle of the week. It's when surgeries are being done. You don't call a doctor in surgery. You wait till they're and you don't talk call them when they're scrubbing. You talk to them in their office, right? Wednesday's a surgery day. Monday afternoon's a surgery time. So um, if you do those two things, uh, if you call during those times or prospect during those times, whenever they are for you, you're wasting your time. And to me, direct dials, you know. Uh, this is my thing, but nothing, everything I was going to say is true for everybody. But if you, if you do direct dials, to me, it's a waste of time. I'd rather just call people at the right time through the front desk. They pick up. Why try anything else?
1: Yeah. It's interesting. It kind of reminds me of a, of a rep that we had for a while, which is, which was one of the strangest coaching moments I've seen, which was, we had a rep who most of the time you have some reps who are just highly, highly dependent on digital channels you know, they're sending lots of emails. They're just saying, Hey, if I can just send 10,000 a day, I won't have to make calls. That's the most common thing. Just get in there, make some calls, get skilled. We had a, we had a rep though that had the opposite. And it was actually after he got coaching from you, a lot of coaching from you. He's like, look, I don't need to send emails and do digital. He just stopped. And it was the strangest thing. Cause you're like, what are you doing? He's making, you know, 90, calls, but he's literally not sending any emails. You're like, well, what? then you look at the numbers and you're like, well, he's, hitting numbers, right? I mean, he's doing it. I guess we just leave him alone, but it was, it was a kind of an interesting thing, but, but it actually proved out that fact, which is, that's the most powerful thing you can do.
0: There's two and a half million B2B salespeople in America. Two and a half million B2B salespeople, right? Not SDRs. There's salespeople. M- salespeople. They don't have time to call all the time. They don't have time to run cadences and emails. Most of my clients are salespeople. I say cold calling coaching for closers, closers. If you know how to close, I'll teach you how to get meetings so you can close them. Right. Mm -hmm. They have an hour a week. So I had to design a system that's going to work in an hour. So we have a program that you run, you're going to get, uh, you know, 25 dials in an hour. You'll get six pickups four meetings. And we do that because you don't have time. You don't have time to make all these calls and send emails and all that stuff. So, uh, it's a very effective for SDRs because they have more time, but so they're going to get more meetings. But the whole idea is, look, the time that we have, let's make it very efficient, very effective. Let's get a lot of meetings during the times that we're calling. So you're not going to have to send a ton of emails and do a ton of LinkedIn when you know how to when you set yourself up
1: for this to work. So when we're talking about closers and getting salespeople to actually pick up, make calls and actually do that in, in those short time frames. How do you coach these reps to get people to say, yes, I want a meeting. I want to talk and get them to a point of being able to actually close quickly. You talk about one called close. What are some of the, the the things that you do to help coach people to, to be able to do that? Yeah.
0: So it's the blue vest. I'm just going to keep that thing going. Good. Right. When I started in sales, I had a manager that was teaching me. Incredibly successful guy. Still one of the best salespeople I've ever met. Hugely persistent. Uh, very uh, high pressure guy. So his technique was high pressure. I can't do that. It's not me. Yeah. I I, I, won't, I won't even be able to pull it off if I learned it. And I, I so I watched me be in, that be very ineffective for me. I had to learn. So I learned that you never teach style. What tends to happen with companies is they tend to teach their salespeople a style, the blue vest, and that doesn't work. And people can hear that on the phone. You sound like a website to me. I don't want to talk to you. Right. So the number one thing that happens when people pick up the phone is they're upset you called them. So I always tell people, make sure you, that you acknowledge, I call it cutting people off in traffic. They, tr- they treat you like you cut them off in traffic. And if you don't wave, like you do when you're on traffic, they get upset. It's really hard to sell someone you cut off in traffic. Right? So the first thing I always tell people is wave. Let them, like the book's called pardon my interruption. Right? Yeah. So you have to say pardon my interruption in some form. Okay. Once you've done that, the number one thing they're thinking, because they'll give you 90 seconds. is You know, they appreciate that you cut them off. I've done that, too.
2: I always tell people they answered the phone. Yeah. All right. They at least have
0: some time to answer the phone. It's like, yeah, it was, but they thought it was the vendor. They thought it was their boss. They yeah. thought it was their yeah. spouse, the school calling, right? Yeah. They're right. pretty upset that it's you. They right? are upset, right? but they do have But now they've seconds. got 90 seconds. Yep. Especially, especially if you call three times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> From a fake number. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. Too, yeah. So um, now, now they're thinking to themselves during these 90 seconds, I have a decision to make. As salespeople, we tend to think that decision is, would you like to do business with me? Don't you think my product's great? Should you use my product? They're not thinking that. Mm. That's not at all. That's, that's a massive decision. That's too stressful. Why are you putting that in front of them? Right. What they're saying is, are you worth my time? Or are you a waste of my time? If they get even an inkling that you're worth their time, that having a conversation with you in the future will be valuable, they'll take the meeting. So your focus needs to be, how do I convince people that I'm worth their time? And when you tell that to almost every salesperson, they immediately make a switch in their approach because they know what to do to tell people, I'm worth your time. I won't waste your time.
1: Because the focus of a salesperson is past where people are. They're saying, I want to close this deal. I want to talk to you about this thing. Let's get married. Let's get married. That's right. Ron, you don't ask that right
2: away? <laughs> wow. That's how most of my first dates
0: went. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you had a lot of first dates. You did exactly second dates. Right.
1: Exactly. <laughs> well, Ron told me no. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's interesting because they're not there. It's let's get married. So yeah, that's a so massive thing to ask someone, huge. especially when you're interrupting them. Right.
0: Good gravy. Who can pull that off? I mean, give yourself a break, salespeople. So you don't, you're not required to do that. Just take a baby step use 30 seconds to sell them on 30 minutes, 30 minutes to sell them on an hour, an hour to sell them my contract.
1: You get them to start saying yes. Yeah. That's what this fundamental says, get people to start saying yes. Yeah. When you're starting to sell, look at things like seminar circuits and they sell first the book. And if somebody will buy the book and yeah. they'll buy the training package, So they'll buy the training package, yeah, the they'll upgrade. buy the life coaching package, so they'll yeah. buy the life coaching package. Then they'll come to Cancun and, and, you know, max out their credit cards for you, you know.
0: Tony Robbins was one of my first clients, uh, and he is hugely successful at that. He sells. He used to sell DVDs on infomercials. He owns an island right in Tahiti, right. <laughs> and it's because he has rooms packed with people that spend ten, twenty thousand dollars for that three-day course that just bought a CD or DVD. And right, uh, yeah. So it's a very effective strategy, but...
1: Well, we're just trying to get them to say, yeah, I'll talk to you. Or yeah, just the, see, okay, yeah, well, there, there I, could be some value in it. I mean, think the
0: way they think. They're not thinking about your company. They're thinking about themselves and whether or not they're going to gain value from a few minutes with you. And if, they, if you can approach them that way and say, I'm worth your time, they'll give you the time. And then you can have the door open and then you can go sell. Do your thing. But if you approach them with this idea that you're trying to talk about how great your product is, which everyone does, and you say, I'm the new rep, or I'm going to be in your area, or... You know, we help companies like yours. Holy crap. Everyone says that. That does not say to me, you're worth my time. I call those pickup lines. Those pickup lines don't work. Mm -hmm. They used to, right? They don't anymore. I'll tell you real quickly too. So um, the the number one strategy pre-COVID was tell them something you're going to learn from being with you, right? So if you look at books, the the number one way to sell a book is to have really good cover. The cover with a good title Almost all books are sold that way. If you go to the bookstore and you ever see a a book, you can't see the spine, you see the front of the book, it's facing you. They paid to have the bookstore do that. You have to pay to have them turn your book. It's not an insignificant amount of money, but people will be willing to pay. Authors and publishers will pay for that because they know that's how you sell books. Spines don't sell books. The cover of the book sells the book, right? Mm. And so the approach was very much, how do I create for them a book cover where they look at this and they go, that's a book I would read. Is it's the same decision process. That's worth my time. That's worth my money. That's the same decision process, right? What happened during COVID is people became very uncertain. And so, and this, I don't know when you're listening to this podcast, but there's a fair amount of uncertainty. Salespeople are great with uncertainty. Our job is uncertainty. We don't know what we're going to make each month, right, right? Right. People hate that. People freaked out during COVID because they didn't know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. That was like 90% of the problem with COVID is uncertainty. Well, I'm going to die and wash my hands. So I right. Put toilet paper. So, it shifted to, you couldn't say things like you're going to learn, improve, grow, change. You couldn't have any pitches like that. It had to be, you need to talk to them about things they've already decided are important. So we switched strategies to, to talk about things that we know they already are hearing about, reading about, you know, other, other people are investing money and in teaching them these ideas. They probably think they're important. I'm going to talk to you about those things. And so your approach is going to keep shifting. There's not really a really right answer to what's going to get them to say yes. But number one, take the blue vest off, be yourself. Number two, wave. You just interrupted them. Number three, focus on I won't waste your time. And and during that process of I won't waste your time, you have to watch what's working, what's not working. And you have to be observant. Like, look, I can't tell them to change or improve right now because it's COVID and people are freaking out. You got to know that kind of stuff. And so what can you say to them that makes them go, yeah, that's worth my time? And that's a very, very important part of your job,
1: which which, this is, and this all lends to the fact that you have to get on the phone and coach people and see what's going on and interact and interoperate, and hear what's happening and adjust. And, you know, it, it's interesting because when you use that methodology to be able to sit down and actually coach people, this is how you can effectively get them through it.
0: Yeah. Right. And everybody's different. You can watch what what words are working. Well, I don't like the word available, Right. You notice this person can't get through the front desk. They're saying, is so-and-so available? Get rid of that word all of a sudden they get through the front desk, right? You don't know that until you listen. And, and sometimes it's tone, like Ron's talked to me a lot about paraverbals, which is th- this idea of, of your tone and your voice, right? The idea that when you're born, when you hear someone with a high pitch, you're, we're all kind of born with the idea that somebody with a high pitch is not telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. So if you say, uh, did you take out the trash? And they say, yeah, I took out the trash. And you said, Do you take out the trash? Yeah, I took out the trash. One of those sounds like a lie. <laughs> yes, it right? does. And so when we as salespeople approach people, we tend to say, Hi, how are you? They mm-hmm. think we're dishonest. And so sometimes just on the phone with them, you're gonna hear the little things like that that they're not gonna know they're doing wrong.
1: One well, even thing like a like a, a an interesting example is the wave itself. Yeah. Which is when you call someone and you say, Hey, 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 Ron, he's already interrupt you, bud. Like if you if you're like timid like that, hey, he's already interrupt you. Like people are just like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like they immediately are just like, you, it's the blue vest. But if you say, hey, Ron, and I'm calling it the blue here, but, and, and you you go into something that's important, you're acknowledging it, but you're also not doing it in a submissive way. You're
2: just doing it like you would as a normal person. No blue right? vest. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, we've we've talked a lot about this. In fact, we did a podcast. Some of you have already listened to on communication where we talked about humanizing yourself. Think about how you sound naturally. Think about how you talk to people as a normal human being and just do that. Yeah. But it's amazing. You pick up a phone, sales reps pick up a phone, they call a front desk, their personality changes. It's crazy. Yeah. They become a totally different That's person. Right. And I'm like, whoa, you just, you just totally yeah. changed who you are because
0: you put a phone to your right ear. So if you're a sales manager that has reps that you want, that you're listening to, what I always do is I ask the rep, what are your hobbies? And I get them to talk about things they care about. And like, and I listen to their tone. I don't, I mean, I care what their hobbies are, but I don't really care. I'm listening to their tone. Mm-hmm. And then I just hold that in my head and then I have them start making calls. If their tone isn't the same as talking about their hobbies, they're off. And if you can just get them to change that little thing, you're going to watch reps improve.
1: Which is awesome. I mean, because... If you're in sales, you've hired a salesperson, you know how to communicate, you know how to connect with people, you know how to interoperate and work with people. You don't have to change who you are to do it. You just have to mind some specifics and make sure that you're, you're aligning with the psychology of people. And so, you know, Matt, we really appreciate the time that you took to to meet with us. It's fantastic. How do people get in touch with you? How do they find your books? How do they get in touch with you? How do they get connected with Sellemental?
0: Well, fortunately I have a unique last name, Lampros, L-A-M-P-R-O-S, Lamp, R-O-S. Mm-hmm. And so if you just search Matthew Lampros, you're going to, you'll get me on Amazon. You'll, you'll get my website and think of that's probably the easiest way, but sellamental.com is my website. My books are on Amazon, at Barnes and Noble. I'll tell you one thing Matt did one time is I'm in
2: one of his books and I always show people because I think it's cool. You Google my name in, in Amazon, his book shows up there as well. So, so if you want to find a really cool book, you have an author credit that I have some partiality to giving some information to Matt. You can also search for
1: my name on Amazon. Yeah. Go buy that book. So that's a good one. I wonder what you got to do to get into this book. The Shut Up Diet. The
0: shut Up Diet. <laughs> People <laughs> thought it was a, a relationship book. It's not. It's about shutting up and eat, quitting
1: so much food. That's awesome. Well, hey, Matt, thank you so much yeah, for thank joining you us. Guys. really good. appreciate you and, and, and everything you do. So. Awesome. All right. Thanks. Been great. Everybody follow up with Matt Lampros. Thank you for listening to the sales prescription. And we look forward to having you join us on some of our other podcasts. Appreciate it. Thanks.